Greetings and welcome to the For the Ride podcast. I'm your host, Adam Vanderveen, and all the views and opinions expressed on the podcast are solely those of myself and the guest and not representative of Triumph Motorcycles. Now, since the last recording of the podcast, not the last release of an episode, uh, but the last recording, the world has lost Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. And I just wanted to take a moment to address that. And I'm actually going to read an official statement that was published by Triumph Motorcycles. We at Triumph join everyone around Great Britain, the Commonwealth, and indeed the world in mourning the loss of Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth II. Her Majesty's unmatched dignity, devotion to duty, and life of public service earned her the love, respect, and heartfelt gratitude of the people of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. We mourn the loss of a constant in our lives, a reassuring presence, and a beacon of stability. We send our sincere condolences to King Charles III, the Queen Consort, and all the royal family. Now, as an American, I, I can't truly appreciate what it feels like uh, to lose Her Majesty the Queen, but my, uh, my thoughts are with all of my friends and coworkers in the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. So transitioning from that, I'd love to move into the comment section, which is actually one of my favorite things to do. And today's comment is from BMW R9T. Uh, and the headline is Great Podcast. So BMW R9T says, enjoy your podcast and don't even have a triumph yet. Thank you for the varied topics. Might consider balancing your guests. On 23 episodes, I think you had two female riders. Highly recommend Jen Dunstan, great rider and motorcycle advocate. I really appreciate that a BMW owner is a listener and fan of the podcast. And I also really appreciate the, the comment here. So most of the comments so far have just been over-the-top positive, which is fantastic. I'm really happy that the listeners are enjoying the show. Uh, but this one's really valuable. I, as I've mentioned before, I, I welcome any feedback. And, and this one is one that is aligned with my own thoughts. So uh, I, I'm definitely always looking to bring on more female guests. In fact, today's episode is Carolyn. You can look at it two ways. So it, it will technically be our uh, third episode featuring a female rider, uh, although we're bringing one back. But the reason I'm bringing Carolyn back is from all of the episodes of season one, aside from Wesley Schultz, who's the lead singer of the Lumineers, Carolyn's was the most listened to episode in the entire season. So it really does speak volumes into the interest in not only Carolyn, but female ridership, as Evangeline's episode has also done really well so far. BMW R9T, I, I really appreciate the feedback. This is something that uh, I'm always considering and trying to bring the most balanced mixture of guests onto the episode, and, and we'll certainly keep an eye out for great additional female writers to join us, including your recommendation of Jen Dunstan. I know, uh, I know Jen. We actually currently have a speed twin on loan to her at the moment, and next time I get out to LA, she'll be on my short list of people to try to sit down and do an episode with. But for now, BMWRNIT, thank you for listening, and just shoot me an email at fortheride.us at triumphmotorcycles.com. We'll get you a t-shirt. And for everybody else listening, please log on to 
Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review and leave us a comment or a suggestion or a question. I'd love to hear from you. Now, for today's guest, uh, I just mentioned it's going to be Carolyn, and the reason I asked her to come back is because her first episode did so well, but also a lot has happened since the last time I've spoken with her. She's actually given up her day job. It has now transitioned to a full-time content creator on YouTube, so I just wanted to ask her, you know, how did that decision go, and, and how's it going for her? So let's take a listen and find out. I got the key. To the highway, I'm all packed and bound to go. Lord, let me ride out tomorrow, honey. I won't be back no more. Yeah, goodbye. Welcome back. Thank you. It, Thanks it, for being. I'm glad to be here. Back. No, it, uh, so uh, good to have you back. The the reason I wanted to invite you back is. Um, uh, there's a little asterisk next to this claim. So the asterisk is that the number one listened episode of season one of this podcast was Wesley Schultz at the Luminaires. So big rock star. Um, it, he was number one cause he was supposed to be number one, but you were the, aside from that, you were the most listened to episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information. Uh, well, <laughs> and so I knew what to crazy. do with it, and it was bring you back because uh, people obviously uh, love you, and I, and I imagine people want to hear more from you, and a lot has actually changed since the last time you are here. Yeah. So, um, and one of the rules of podcasting is we don't get phone calls, <laughs> but that was pretty quiet, so thank you for putting that away quickly. Um so the big thing that's changed is last time you were here, you had a day job and mm -hmm. um, you, you were, you had been getting into motorcycling and you'd been getting into kind of capturing your journey and sharing it. Mm -hmm. And that took off to the point where you were able to give up the, the day job and make this your full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I definitely did not think I would be here like five years ago. Definitely thought I'd still be designing home decor products. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations on being able to do that. And Thank like you. Chase Thank the you. dream and live the dream. Thank you so much. It's um, been so fun. What was that like? Like, what was that decision like? I imagine it uh, a little bit scary, but can you talk yeah, me through that definitely. a little bit? Yeah. Well, I was extremely torn. Um, pretty much when I started on YouTube, I... Um, I actually thought that I would be full-time on YouTube and I thought it would take three videos and one would take off and suddenly I'd be a full-time YouTuber. But that's not quite how it works. There's a lot more strategy and business to it. But I didn't know that for about four or five years. But I still loved it. So I just kept making videos. And eventually I just tried learning how to do it better and better. Because whatever I do, I want to do my best at it, even if it's not my job or if it's just a hobby or something. So the more I learned from people who actually are doing it full time, the more sustainable it got. And then I think I was just kind of in a place with my office job where it was a fun job. I mean, dogs were allowed in the office for one thing. And I was drawing for a living. I was designing home decor products. And but it was still an office job. So for me, that is difficult. Um, and I, I kind of got to a point where the channel just started doing better and better and becoming more sustainable and then started getting more opportunities like 
actually you all were triumph was the first that that gave me a taste of what that was like by when you all invited me to a press event to test ride bike when I when I told my coworkers I didn't know what that was so I told them I don't know I think I won a contest <laughs> <laughs> and but they knew they were like you're an influencer I'm like what uh, I don't know about that but um so that was my first taste and um shortly after that is when I started getting more opportunities like that and then meeting people at those events who are doing this full time and that's when I started kind of getting the idea in my head so as that kind of grew and then as my office job just kind of got more well you know how how you may feel if you're doing a 9 to 5 every day going into the office sitting at a computer it just it can get it can get draining especially when you know that there's an alternative for the for the record, I come in every day and sit at the computer, but I still love my job. <gasps> oh no, I'm still sorry. <laughs> Don't quit your job, Adam. I like you here. <laughs> no, I, I um, I get accused of having the coolest job in the world yeah. sometimes, and I you I do don't cool argue job. that actually. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I I appreciate my job as um, as much time as I am on phone calls and in meetings. I I really appreciate. Um, what I get to do here and, and to yeah. represent this brand in uh, in the U.S. and Canada, but yeah, uh, but I could imagine if you don't absolutely love what you're doing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know it would get get old and you might start looking for something else and, and yeah. find something fulfilling. Yeah, I guess I guess I just wasn't cut out for for that at least at least not the in the way I was doing it where I was doing it. Um, yeah, because I see that too. Like some people are very happy with their jobs and and I just. I just wasn't. And I, I kept thinking like, maybe just something's wrong with me. Like I should love this. This is cool. But it just got to a point where the alternative, which was full-time job riding motorcycles just became more and more appealing. And then the office job became less and less. So when I was comparing the two and it just got to the point where the channel got so busy, where I, I had to choose, I had to do one or the other. I couldn't keep doing both. And, and that's when I decided, okay, let's, let's take the chance and, uh, and go with YouTube and motorcycles. So you, so actually it may not have been as big of a risk as, as I was imagining in my head, because you were already seeing the, the metrics and, and kind of tracking the numbers. So you probably had a good idea that actually this is at a point now where you're pretty confident it could work. Um, Maybe not even that so much. I, I would say I saw more of the potential. Like it wasn't like I was rolling in dough and, and had all these opportunities, but instead I, I saw the potential where I saw where it could go if I could dedicate more time. And at the time, no, I was, I was not like making enough money or having enough opportunities that it was going to be sustainable. But I thought if I can dedicate enough time, I bet I could do it. And I just could not get that thought out of my head. So eventually, honestly, I feel like I just snapped where I just, I came into, I came into my manager's office and I was crying and I was like, like I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired. I'm so busy. I, I can't keep doing both. And I actually quit twice at my office job. They, they did an unconventional thing where they were incredibly supportive and they, we went on a deal where they basically gave me a week off every month. To just work wow. I know I know and to just work on on this and um but after several months of doing that I was like that's eh, not enough I, I, I want to dedicate every week to it so um so then I came to that decision 
with with less there weren't uh tears that time that it was more of a a logical plan decision <laughs> yeah maybe, and maybe the writing was on the wall a little bit after yeah uh, after the last agreement so yeah there, there was no rebuttal when i quit the second time they're like okay get out of here <laughs> right uh so how long ago was that um april 9th was my last day april 9th 2021 of my office job that was my last day so a year and a half maybe mm -hmm. yeah okay. a year and a half and how's it going it's going good all right yeah uh, did, is it is, so now just now this is your new full-time job even yes. though it's a job that doesn't mm -hmm. maybe always feel like a job but i imagine mm -hmm. sometimes it does so what are there ways that you like are disciplined and make yourself treat it like a job um yes well i still get up at the same time and i still i actually still work pretty much the like a nine to five hours um but a little earlier and then usually a little later but but i'll, I'll be more flexible with that too so I may like give my time in the middle of the day or the earlier part of the day, usually in the mornings to work out. And then maybe I'll work in the evenings or sometimes I'll, I'll work on the weekends a lot of times too. Um, so I'm just more flexible with my hours, but I, I do still kind of keep that same uh, nine to five schedule for the most part. Okay. So then it, it's, I imagine it's just a mix of actually writing and then editing. Um, are, yes. are those your main two? Yes, exactly. Um, I would love for to pass off editing, and I am try. I am trying to train a couple people to to do that for me, because um, it like I c I can take an entire week just editing a video, and I I want to do a video every week, so that's kind of hard to do when I also want to travel and actually record the videos. So, uh, but yeah, those are the two biggest chunks of time, and surprisingly, it's just a, a lot of little things too. Like I could spend. The whole week just responding to emails, trying to plan out content, um, doing research for content to figure out what to do, man, um, filing taxes or not filing taxes, but organizing like like trying basic accounting. I mean, I have an accountant now, thank goodness, but kind of organizing things for that and yeah, it's kind of like admin work. I that's that's surprising a, a lot of time too. Okay, so you need a team. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, we, we gotta <laughs> we gotta grow this show so you can yeah. just ride more. So yeah, um, with, with kind of all the things that has to go into a, a, everything ab about this, then uh, is your cadence like one video per week? Or? Um, that's what I aim for, but that's definitely not what I've been getting. I've I've been missing some Fridays more than not. Um. Well, that makes me feel good because I aim for putting this podcast out once a week also, mm -hmm. and I do not always succeed in that. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah. um, but I'm trying and, and I've got, I've got, um, I, I hired an, like an administrator recently. So she's been helping with the, like, she pretty much does all my reels on Instagram and she's just so flexible and willing to do whatever and, and like up for anything. So she's been, um. I've been training her to edit videos and I think she's, she's doing pretty good. So she's going to, uh, she hasn't edited any public ones yet. Oh wait, no, that's not true. She did edit some like shorter, shorter and quicker forms earlier this year. But uh, yeah, I think she'll be good. I think she'll be able to big help there. Nice. Um, so one of the things uh, uh, that I know you do and, and maybe others do too, but you're just transparent about it. But um, I'm aware that you actually do quite a bit of, research on oh yes a lot. It, it feels like research on what um what works for you and kind of what your mm -hmm. audience wants to consume and then you tailor 
your content for your audience. Um, What does that look like? So where where do you even figure out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what people are looking for? And and then how do you go about addressing that? So, um, so I'm actually surprised I didn't do this before. Cause it's, if you're ever, you know, if you ever want something where an audience is like your, your income source that you, you've got to do that research. Like at my previous job, when, where we would, when we would design home decor products, we would never just go on the fly, do what we felt like we would do what's trending. We would do what's, what other people are doing, what's popular. And like at the time when I was there, everything was white, everything was marble. That was so popular gold accent and um so kind of treating youtube the same as if you want it to be sustainable like when it was a hobby it was really just it was kind of like a diary almost i would say like i was just documenting my own journey learning to ride and um but that was i would say if i have like a success rate for videos um last year when i was doing whatever i wanted to whatever i felt like i would say it was like maybe two out of 20 videos would do well and so I had to do two videos a week and just to keep my my number sustainable otherwise I'm like I don't think I can keep doing this I'm gonna have to go back to work if I gotta keep this up this is this is fun but this is tight and um so I don't if you've ever heard of Daryl Eves or Mr. Beast on YouTube I have not what are are they Kind of in the motorcycle category? They're, no, not no. at all. Okay. So Mr. Beast, his his audience is probably like younger, younger guys, I would say, like maybe like under 20, even like teenagers or, or kids. But um, he's one of the top YouTubers. And um, Mr. Beast is uh, is a YouTube strategist that he works with. And this is something I learned. Um, oh, sorry. I mean, Daryl Eves is something is a YouTube strategist that Mr. Beast works with. And this is something I learned from Daryl Eves in doing research so that you know what, not only what your audience is responding to, but also what people in your niche are responding to if you want to keep sustainable numbers. And since I've been doing that, my like success rate, I would say it's like, I would say it's like seven or eight out of 20 or not 20 of 10 videos do well versus my like two out of 20 rate from last year. And the process is basically to um, watch YouTube, like make sure you are still watching a lot of YouTube so that you're seeing like what your audience sees and you don't forget what it's like to be the person watching. And also to collect a lot of data in your niche. So um, one thing like Daryl has you do if you take his course, which I did last fall, is to like save like 10 or 20 I forget like it I do remember like it was an exhausting number but they were like 10 or 20 channels that are like have the potential in your niche um and then from there 10 to 20 like of their top performing videos and and see what's like top performing like within the past year not like six years ago but like if it's like a year old or less and it's like a top performing videos like just save that just like take a screenshot and then start collecting and then you start to see patterns of um, topics or what the video is actually like, um, title structure. And something I started to see a lot there was, oh, I started to see like solo road trips are popular and even like certain locations are popular. And I also started to see that moto vlogs, which is what I did a lot of last year, just writing and talking, 
not as popular anymore. And um, so I just, I started to see a lot of patterns. And from there, I started to gather ideas of things that were already doing well across, across the board. And, um, and that's, I would say, was kind of the, the main way I started in making sure, sure my videos did better off, more often than not. Okay. So, I mean, it was, it really, it's just, yeah, uh, watching and, and learning. And then yeah. I'm, I'm curious, how much of it do you think is what actually people want to consume versus what Google is pushing? Um, I think that's both because that is um, so YouTube is owned by Google and um, both of them used to be a lot more um, keyword based. But YouTube and, and even Google, they've both changed to to be more about seeing the pattern of the audience of people watching. So there was a time when like when this was when like clickbait was a thing when YouTube videos would perform really well if the title and thumbnail were like killer. And so what would happen was people would start making crazy title and thumbnails that might not even be about the video. And then that would make people drop off the video really fast or never want to see a person, that person's video again. Or sometimes they would just get off YouTube and never get on or get on it, get off of it and not come back to YouTube for a long time because they were angry. So YouTube changed to, um, they have like 80,000 algorithm points, but they've changed to be more heavily based on like, how long is the person watching? Not just do they click it, how long are they watching? And also, what do they do if, if YouTube puts their, your next video in front? Do they click on it or do they just skip it? Like, are they showing that they're sick of seeing your face? They don't go on your channel and see what else you're looking at. So they're really just following how people are responding. So it's so important on YouTube to not lie to your audience because the algorithm is going to see that people are getting, getting pissed at you. and to um, Basically, just be likable, whether it's because you're funny, which is not my thing. I wish it was, but it wasn't. Whether it's because you're funny or you're really smart or interesting or you're even just relatable, um, just doing something or even just being yourself, just doing something that makes people want to click on your next video or even want to just click on your channel icon and see like what other videos are on there. And uh yeah, so it's definitely their their YouTube is they're watching you. Yeah, a little okay. So it's it's maybe not them really driving it because they have a goal, but it's uh, yeah. I guess their goal is they want longer viewership. So they're even and Google happy, happy viewership. Even Google is looking for micro trends, and then maybe they amplify it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but another thing about that about the like how long people are watching. So um, there was also a trend in, in YouTube, I think like in around 2012, where people would make like really like long form, like negative videos or like conspiracy theory things. And then the, they were finding that people would watch these long videos. They would go on these binging contents, but then they wouldn't go back on YouTube for like they wouldn't mm. for weeks. So like, OK, they're like burnt out. They're like, don't want to come back. It's like. Kind of like when people are like, I hate Facebook. I'm closing my Facebook because it's, it's not making you feel good. So that, that's another thing the algorithm's looking for is like they want you to feel good and they can't, they don't know how you feel. So they're just going to have to try to watch your pattern some other way. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, the algorithm is, uh, I don't know. I think of it as like 
a really, really good friend that knows you very well if you watch a lot of YouTube. Like the algorithm itself has shown me some of my now favorite channels just because it knows me so well. They know me so well. (laughs) Yes. They know Uh, what I like. (laughs) So then, um, you know, from all your research, what what did you change? Um, well, I started doing a lot less, uh, well, actually, like, stopped entirely doing motovlogs where I would just talk and ride. And I tried to do more, like, stories, like, little, kind of make my videos be more like a TV episode or a little short movie instead. Um, so that. And I also, um, some things I stopped, like, before I, like, last year I took every MSF course I could. And I would make a full video on that. So, but I realized like people weren't interested in watching me take a class unless it was like a really interesting class, like uh, like for like training with Jocelyn Snow, for instance. Mm-hmm. But like a basic class, like so now I don't do a full video on just like a basic class anymore. I might show it quickly in another video, but I I see like okay, people aren't that interested in in watching me do that. Um, well, yeah, and if I if I think of some of your recent stuff, I, one of your most recent was your trip to Sturgis. Yes, and yeah, that was so fun. Uh, but th- interesting enough, I mean that there's so much going on in Sturgis. Um, if you wanted, you could have made multiple videos off of that one trip, but mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. your decision was to make really one video that summarized your entire trip. Yes, and that was another research based thing too. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why exactly. I, I think it's because the algorithm will promote one, uh, a certain video of yours to a certain audience for a certain amount of time. Um, so that's another thing like that Daryl talks about, like if you're going to have like several kinds of videos that you could just kind of keep doing, like I keep doing solo road trips for instance, but if I post a solo road trip to Sturgis and then the next week I post like a solo road trip to Key West. The second video over time is probably going to tank because the the algorithm will only promote the certain kind of video for a certain amount of time. So I completely forgot about that at one point and I did like a part one and part two. And the part two started out doing better than the part one. Um, like the like people were clicking on it at a faster rate. But then when it came when once it like several days later, once it like was done like being pushed to the main audience and then youtube went to like the expanding like of the bigger audience they were only promote they were only um showing it to the first the part one mm. um yeah so that's another thing so so now i i don't do like part ones and two and i won't name it part one and two either because uh that's uh that's just gonna hurt your click through rate that's if, a uh, that's a no-no yeah that's a no-no i mean i mean you could definitely make very successful videos if you have part one and two but um that's another thing like no keyword stuffing your titles like um it's not it's not like title your videos for people for a person like versus like just a search engine because that's that's at the end of the day that's what the algorithm's following they're they're just following people seeing what they like seeing what they respond to all right um well let's let's kind of shift into writing we that that you've given me I now know more about YouTube than I've ever known. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate that. If anybody wants to follow your path and uh, become a YouTube star, that there's the 
the, the playbook, ladies and gentlemen. But go. Yeah, I um, recommend Dare Leaves, though. <laughs> I only know I'm still learning myself. <laughs> uh, but I, I want to talk about riding a little bit. So the, the yeah. big, big benefit of your kind of shift is you get to ride more. Yes. Um, so I'm curious, do you, and you've done a lot of road trips now. Yes. Um, and I don't know if you've done a, probably the last time we were in here, you you probably had not done a big road trip yet. So, Mm -hmm, mm um, I'm going to ask you about your favorite, but first Mm -hmm. I just want to hear about like, what was your first big road trip then? My first big one was just last fall, like in October. And that was, um, I didn't really have a destination. I just kind of looped up around like up above Georgia and then went back down so I was really just visiting friends like some friends off of YouTube and then some friends who are on YouTube like Lolly who's in Pennsylvania near the Revzilla um, headquarters and then Jess her two wheels who's in Ohio so I really just did a loop and I just I just wanted to do a long big road trip where I would ride all day every day for the next many days which I don't like to do anymore my, my body hurt a lot after that trip try to space it out a little more but um yeah that was that was my very first one and i and i didn't and i uh i rode through a coastal flood warning like 1400 of those 2000 miles it was terrible but i'm like i can't just turn around i have to do this my first road trip i can't just stop so you have a new appreciation for rain gear too then yes yeah and right. i'm also like you know riding, riding in the rain isn't so bad as long as you have proper gear yeah <laughs> and yeah um okay so that that was your first one anything like, is, is there anything you did specifically to prepare for that? Maybe not, since you didn't even know the destination. Um, what did I do? Let me think. Mm, probably, probably watching road trip videos to see if anyone had any tips about gear or, or anything. Um, but I don't think so. I think the only thing I did was, because my bike, the Triumph Street Triple R, I got it for, really for mountain rides, because I fell in love with it riding in the mountains. And it was a great commuter bike, but all day riding, eventually, like your back hurts, your butt hurts, and and I don't have a way to pack pack a pack it up. So I was looking for just like any bike I could that I could pack something and would have good wind deflection. And last minute, that was hard to find. But eventually, I did find a bike that was that wasn't my bike that was road trip friendly, and uh, that was probably the main thing. Really, was just looking for who who can. Who can lend me a, a road trip friendly bike, and uh, and have and 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 then bring versatile gear, um, and lots of snacks and water. And that's about it. All right. Yeah. Um. So that was the first one, and you've uh-huh. done uh, quite a bit more. So do you have a a favorite? Do do any of them stand out? Um. Yeah, I'd say my favorite. Oh, you know, I was going. I was going to say tail 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 the dragon and chair hollow skyway. Um, on the Tiger 660. Thank you, by the way, for that loan. Um, yeah, just because those ride, those roads were so beautiful, and the weather was great. Like I, I didn't ride through a coastal flood warning, and I wasn't dying of heat stroke like I was when I went to Key West in the winter. By the way, who knew, like in February, I'm like, what? I thought I, I thought I would skip this, but I would, I was gonna say that, but now I actually think Sturgis, just because, not because of the rally itself, but because the roads around Sturgis are incredible they're really good oh my gosh like some of the most some of the most beautiful roads i've ever seen like the uh like um what was it iron iron mountain road i think those there were so many switchbacks and like pigtails like i'm like this is way more technical than the tail of the dragon 
and um and then needles highway was so beautiful so i'd, I'd love to go back there and um maybe I, like not win the rally i was gonna say i'd, I'd love to go when it's not the yes. rally yeah um, and have all the roads to yourself but you know what i did have to myself was the trails Oh. So this is um, during the rally, all the locals get out of town mm-hmm. and all the mm-hmm. cruiser crowd only ride on the highway. So they have as epic as the roads are there. So are the mountain trails. <gasps> um, so, <gasps> so we all had tigers there. Oh, my God. And every day after we closed up the demo truck, we just take the tigers onto the trails and we'd what? have the, the trails all to ourselves. Oh, my yeah. God. Well, no wonder you love your job. <laughs> Um, wow that's so, amazing yeah so that was great that was a really good time um oh, and, and certainly a privilege while we were there because otherwise i think um the locals really enjoy that that trail system because mm-hmm. they have just endless uh mountain ranges and, oh my gosh uh, so it, it really good riding there i think we saw one atv <gasps> wow so it, it was good um oh but you got a taste for some off-road riding oh while you were there. Oh my gosh. Yes, on the Tiger Night. That's so cool that you all had that. You're the only like demo. I mean, there were tons of demo rides and tons of uh, other manufacturers there, but you all were the only ones that had like an off-road section for the Tigers. And um starting with like a like a kind of kind of I would say mini class, like I don't know, like maybe 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah, so this some was drills. It, uh, so I, I really want to hear about your experience, but I'll just give a little mm-hmm. context of what we were doing there. So um, Triumph uh, has gone to Sturgis in the past. In, in some of the previous years, we set up our demo truck at our dealership, which is unfortunately quite a bit out of town. It's in uh, the other side of Rapid City, which is at least a good half hour away from you know, that the city of Sturgis and where a lot of the rally activity is happening. So we didn't get too much traffic there. So um, for this year, we set up at the Buffalo Chip and they they were phenomenal hosts. So mm-hmm. I think um, we, we need to have some conversations. But at, at this point, uh, from the reception that we got from them, I, I'd be happy if they were um, if that was the permanent home of Triumph mm. at Sturgis. Oh, awesome. Because um, they were really good uh, hosts. And, mm-hmm. and including, um, they just had bought a new plot of land and offered, mm. uh, offered that plot of land up to us to set up this off-road section. Oh, you better watch out. Some other brands are going to fu- yeah, try to fight you well, for that. No, they, they, they came and toured it. The other brands did. They're uh, like, no, hey, I what are you guys that. doing here? We want to come was, take a look. <laughs> it was like, what is that? Is that is there a scene in Sandlot where it's like the the kids from the other neighborhood come on their turf, on their baseball? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that, I'm used to it. I, that's what I, it felt like. <laughs> I, I, I like bringing original ideas to the motorcycle industry, but they only stay original for about one year. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but the kind of the concept was, you know, the adventure motorcycling is growing significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, we do have a bike that is great for the cruiser crowd. It's the rocket three. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a bagger, so it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I mean, if you want a muscle cruiser, that's the, the top of the food chain. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. so we brought the, uh, four rocket threes up there i actually uh me, me and some friends rode up from denver we flew into denver and rode up the rocket oh, threes. Nice. So that was great that's fine I, that's where i flew in too <laughs> i think we missed each other by a day maybe 
It was and the only place with affordable flights. I know. Yeah. It, it, was, so it was um, a fraction of the cost mm-hmm. to fly into Denver than yes. to fly into Rapid City. Mm-hmm. And I got to ride rockets up. So Yes, not uh, bad. Not and bad Wyoming deal. is pretty epic, too. Oh, for riding. Yeah, yeah. that's why I've been seeing some videos of that. Like um, Stacy from Ride to Food. She was, I think it was, was it? Now I can't remember. But yeah, I saw some beautiful roads and but just on video now I'm regretting I didn't go ride there myself. Yeah, so I mean we um we just got a taste of it but from what I have been told is that the further west in Wyoming you go the better it gets. Mm. Uh but even the parts we saw I I thought it was really cool to see. So mm-hmm. and and I mean it's pretty straight but it was still nice scenery. Yeah. Did you did you see some buffalo and or bison? Buffalo. Um, bison buffalo. One of the two. Maybe. <laughs> It doesn't stand out, but I'm sure we did. Yeah, okay. I was just so impressed. I mean, just endless rolling hills. And, oh, wow. uh, so yeah, you had a lot of elevation change, even though the, the roads are pretty straight. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then, so we brought the rocket because we know that, uh, you know, that does well uh, amongst the Sturgis crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that the adventure category is growing. And, and I have fallen in love with riding off-road in that category. And I just... I really wanted to share that. So yes. um, the, the concept was, let's bring our new partner, Jeff Stanton. Uh, mm-hmm. So Jeff Stanton, uh, he was on a few episodes ago. He has his new adventure business, Jeff Stanton Adventures out of Michigan, where it's a he's training people how to ride mm-hmm. adventure bikes off-road. All right. So, hey, Jeff, why don't you come to Sturgis with us? We know there's a lot of people there that have never taken a motorcycle off pavement. Mm-hmm. Let's give them a taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll give them a taste of riding off-road, and it'll also give a taste of what your school can offer. Um, so we, we came up with this concept of these mini training sessions. And, you know, I, I told the Buffalo Chip, like, hey, I'd, I'd like to, you know, work with you guys to be the brand that pioneers adventure riding at the Sturgis Rally. So, um you know, the mission uh, accomplished because uh, I'm pretty sure next year there will be a number of brands doing adventure mm-hmm. riding at Sturgis. But mm-hmm. I, you know what? It, it's a great thing in that category is only going to keep growing. And I, and I really, I was impressed by um, how many cruiser guys came over and actually were checking out the adventure bike. So mm-hmm. it, it did mm-hmm. indicate that um, there is an interest Mm-hmm. In that category, mm-hmm. um, beyond... I think they're taking them off road anyways. They're cruisers and they're baggers, yeah, kind yeah, of a off-road. little bit, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I think they're seeing like there's an alternative here, yeah. You don't so, have to suffer, no, you, you <laughs> these things are meant to go places, yes. so um, so that's what we did. So Jeff came out and we did small groups. So, I mean, for the handful of people that did it, they had a, a really incredible experience. Mm-hmm. You basically got mm-hmm. I could have done it a, all day, an hour and a half. Uh, training and off-road riding on somebody else's bike, on a Triumph uh, Tiger Scrambler with Jeff Stanton, you know, six-time mm-hmm. motocross supercross champion. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you were one of those lucky few. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That was so much fun. And and um, I got a preface, too, with saying, like, I'm, I'm still very new to ADV and dirt riding. It's funny because I, I, I have some videos where I am doing it or I'm training it. And, and when I say that, people in the comment section will say, no, that's not true. You're so experienced. I'm like, oh, no, this video you saw is it. This is all the experience I have. I have like a collective of like six or seven days riding dirt. Um, and then like maybe a few days of that is on ADV bikes on off-road. So I'm still very new. And I was on the Tiger 900 Low. 
And I could not believe how balanced that bike is. Like it stayed, I felt like it stayed upright for me. Like we did some, some drills in the weaves uh, or like we, some like weaving cone drills on, on the grass. And then they took us out and looped us um, like in the field with some like hills and tight turns. And there were definitely some spots in one of those tight turns where I'm like, uh, if like this bike is the reason we're still upright. Like I definitely would have dropped this. I feel like if it had been any other thing, it's just like tight, squirrely, grassy, losing traction. And, but nope, there we go. We just keep on going. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a miracle I didn't drop it. And I owe it to that, to that Tiger 900. Well, <laughs> and it may be a little bit of some good instruction and, and a little bit of you have done it before and i and i hope uh, more than anything um and if if this isn't true don't don't lie just for me but all right um did you gain some confidence in your i guess ability by doing that oh yeah definitely because i think anytime you do something hard and and you realize like it's not as scary as you think or you don't fall or if you do fall it, it didn't hurt that much or then you just get a little more confident and and that's what that ride was um right after doing those drills when we looped around in the field it was just plain fun in fields on big bikes and yeah i i, I wish that was my backyard so i could do that right mm -hmm. well and so the i think the reason i've really grown to like or i mean I, i've fallen for that style of riding mm -hmm. um it, it it's twofold almost it's fun it's yes. just it, it takes you back to being a kid a little bit where um i don't i don't get fully that sensation uh when i'm riding on the highway but i really get it when i'm riding off road it's just mm -hmm. it makes the bike a toy yeah uh, yeah it, so it, it's it's fun but mm -hmm. also it takes you to places that you couldn't go otherwise so i just mm -hmm. I, I where no man has gone before well this is that this is it i mean the when when we had the the trails all to ourselves up in the mountains uh, you oh get my God. you know you get to the top and it's like wow that we're we're here like mm -hmm. and, and we've only gotten to this place um because we we came here by bike because no cars are coming here wow um so that yeah it, i don't know i it the, I enjoy it, and so I'm becoming an evangelist for mm -hmm. off-road riding and, mm -hmm. and little things like what Jeff was teaching people. I mean, they, there's so many people that would come on there that have, they've never been off pavement before, mm -hmm. and they think, oh, I could never do that. And, you know, by the end of it, it's like, oh, okay. Like, yes, there there's absolutely skills this. involved, but, <laughs> like, yeah, I can do it. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And what is it? I think the statistic is like it's something insane about the number of roads, even just in America, that are not paved. It's like what is it? Like eighty percent of them not paved, or I forget now, but like oh, a I, huge amount. Yeah, it is a lot, roads. and not the, not to mention the ones you just make up on your own, right? Without anything's a road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which yeah, so, that that that's nice. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, my my daily rider is a scrambler, and and mm -hmm. there is a stretch of my commute every day where. Um, it, you know, it gets down to one lane and it, it, if it's really heavy traffic, it can back up for a mile or two behind this one red light. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a lot of gravel and grass off to the side of the road and you know, <laughs> no, you, don't. you make your own road. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I've, but, I've definitely wondered like just passing on the highway, looking at those ditches thinking, man, I wish I could practice a little off-roading right, right now. Could I? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe should you? Yeah, probably not. I, want, but, I wonder yeah. if that's legal. Like, if it's a, if a cop would pull, 
they'd probably pull you over to ask. But would they pull you over and give you a ticket, or would he just be like, "What are you doing?" I don't uh, know. Would they would they follow me? That, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I'd, think they could. Like, I would think it'd be okay. I would think they'd pull you over and be like, "Okay, I was just checking. Carry on." <laughs> yeah. Well, I I don't know. I'm not I, a police officer, though. People. I don't know if they'd get me on trespassing if. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know where that goes. I know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm on people's yards and driveways. Like, well, I would think like on the side of a road and it's just grass and gravel. You're like, I'm just helping traffic. I don't yeah. know. I would think if you, if you have a good attitude. They, well, this they, is where that'd be okay. I mean, I, I appreciate about California the ability to, um, mm, lane you split. know, lane split. But mm-hmm. in Georgia, lane filtering is now legal. Oh wait, wait um, what? Yeah, so filtering when? is. I, I I don't know the the date oh, of that, that declaration, but I I know that it has um it is allowed now. Mm. Um, but it it is a benefit for cars mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. I I know, um, you know it, maybe not everybody likes it, but uh, frankly, if I just am another vehicle in line, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. line is just getting longer. Yeah. Um, but if mm-hmm. bikes can filter like at, you know, red lights and things like this, mm-hmm. it, the line is getting shorter for everybody. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Oh, mean, yeah, there is definitely. a benefit. Oh, cool. Good to know. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm scared to split. So, uh, which I, I guess is when, when people are actually dr- driving, but uh right. filter when they're stopped. Yeah. I, I want to do that, especially in some hot Atlanta traffic. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. And that's part of it. And I know, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure early days, one of the reasons it passed in California is because of the heat. Mm. Uh, and with old, uh, older air-cooled motorcycles, if you're just sitting there basically parked in the heat, you, like uh, it, it, bikes weren't doing so well with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to be moving to get that airflow. Mm. Um, so th- th- we can probably thank that technology for mm. like, allowing oh. splitting to be passed there. Oh, good. But, uh, but now it just uh, it makes sense. I, I yeah. think it's good for traffic overall, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and definitely in the Georgia heat. Even though my bike might not die, yeah, uh, we feel the heat. Yeah, just <laughs> sitting it there, so we like to keep good. moving. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I had a thought, but I I've completely uh, lost it, and that's all right. Um. <laughs> Uh, so let's maybe move on to what's coming up for you. So w- right. one of the reasons you're in the room today, uh, is you're, you're picking up, uh, a new bike to borrow, yes. a new Tiger 900 low. I want to keep it. Well, we can talk about that. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I remember that that's, that's an option. So yeah, no, I, I, I would love for that to be added to your garage. Uh, I think it's a, a, a great fit for you. Mm-hmm. and it would bring you on lots of new adventures. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, but for the meantime, I yeah. think you have at least one adventure planned for it. So yes. what, do you, what do you got coming up? So my first adventure with it will be next weekend. I am going up to Ohio, and I'm going to meet up with um, Beth. Uh, she's on YouTube as Biker Babe Beth, and she's on a little sportster. And we are basically we're we're gonna make a game of it, and we're gonna kind of make um, which I still haven't figured out yet exactly all the things we're gonna do, but we're gonna make a game of it, and we're gonna do like a little challenge obstacle thing, and whoever gets the Canadian border first wins something. I'm not sure yet what yet, but mm. basically a, a race to the Canadian border, but at the speed limit. Just by the way, I'm not not that kind of race. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then, yeah. uh, like, will you leave at the same time and take the same route? 
So I don't think so. So I think um I think what I want to do is like we'll have to we'll have like some kind of like a scavenger hunt. We'll have some things we'll need to do first, like maybe like find someone to like sit on the back of your bike and take a picture with you. Um maybe like find a um I don't know, some kind of Canadian themed sign or something. But probably, or or oh even just Ohio. I don't know if they're going to have that until you actually get to Canada. And um and then and then once you complete all those, we get to the Canadian border and then uh so I I think it's probably going to be our the route will probably have to us, but I'm going to try to make mine as direct as possible cuz uh she's local there. And yeah, but so which uh so you're starting from ohio which border are you going to by detroit oh uh, oh no and i'm gonna reveal the, oh, my poor no, american okay. geography <laughs> i forgot <laughs> whichever one's closest to it she's well, gonna I, she's, I mean there there's if you go north you yes, can really north. you can go into michigan and and um hit the border via detroit or you can mm-hmm. kind of go east a little bit and hit it uh via new york uh so, where like the the falls are Oh, that might be prettier. I I just googled like Canadian border agency and then picked the closest one. But you're saying if I if we go slightly east, then they're like pretty waterfall. Niagara, Niagara oh, Falls. It's yeah. right there. Well, well, just yeah, right it's on there. the border. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm gonna look into that one and see if, right. see if we could do that instead. See if we could. Yeah, she has a nine to five though, so we're we're working around her schedule. Okay, so, um, so it's gonna be a a quick run to the border. Yeah, quick run. So, so you won't be hitting Wisconsin then. I was gonna I was gonna start. I mean, I might be able to. She, she'll say, have to go back to work. If, but. if you ever make it there, let me know, and I'll tell you all the oh. all the stops that you got to do. Because okay, thank you. That, that's home for me originally. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's right. Oh, mm-hmm. that you know what? I I know what I was going to say mm-hmm. uh, when we were talking about Sturgis. So mm-hmm. we, you did the Stanton thing. Uh, yes. And you did it with a friend of mine, Adam Sandoval. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I about I fangirled, and it was so embarrassing. But that's just the way I am. <laughs> okay. You, you, so uh, did you know him before? You you're so, just familiar with him from? I'm, I'm familiar with him so i didn't i didn't know him like i didn't recognize him right away because i i haven't seen his videos but i know of him i know that he was a full-time motor motorcycle traveler and uh i was following on facebook so i i knew some snippets of his story so um it, it wasn't until um like he introduced himself and he was like oh, i'm adam and we talk a little bit and then it wasn't until though once we were actually training and then um i think one of the one of the guys there was like hey i watch your channel it's youtube and then and then adam goes oh i have a youtube channel too and, and he was and we were like what's it called this is my name adam sandoval i was like what you're adam sandoval and uh i think maybe jeff jeff and his wife was like what's that and i'm like he's a big deal he's a very big deal <laughs> yeah no What's bigger than jeff <laughs> I, I promise everybody jeff was the biggest deal there um yeah it, jeff was cool Jeff was real yeah. cool. He was the one with the bike, and no, it was good. like an extension of his body. Uh, it's funny enough. <laughs> all right. So, well, I'll, I'll come back to Adam in a second. But funny enough, um, Jeff's wife uh, came up, and I mean, she's gone their entire marriage not being a rider. Uh, when this is, you know, it, it, this is what he's done. He's been the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And that trip to Sturgis got her into riding. <gasps> Are you serious? Yeah, she's buying a street scrambler. No way. Yeah. Oh, that gets me so excited. I'm so happy for her oh, and him too. Actually. Yeah, no, I'm He's I'm pumped for that. them both. That, that's amazing. Yeah. It's uh it, I that's like I'm awesome. excited for um my, my wife is the um starting to ride. So we mm-hmm. we just got her a, a street twin. Mm-hmm. Um and she's 
I think she's out practicing today, although she's a little bit nervous to yeah, ask if she could or not because she's going to get her license in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. she's like, am I allowed to ride? <laughs> no. I don't know. You need to practice. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, th so that was really exciting news about, uh, Jeff and his wife, but then uh, coming back to Adam. So I know him from a totally different walk of life. Oh, um, he was a, a fight promoter. So I, I've fought, <gasps> I've fought really? on his shows a number of times in Wisconsin. Yeah. No way. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, Y'all were in the MMA world together. He had a gym in green Bay and, what? uh, and he organized, uh, these shows. It was called combat USA. <gasps> Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was super cool. And that actually so he was neat. um one of my favorite promoters to compete for because he took care of the fighters. He went Whoa. out of his way to like uh, out of kind of all the 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 shows I fought on he he was one of the guys that stood out as like hey we we understand kind of what it's like and the needs of the fighters so he really made sure that we we're all taken care of and he put on a great show whoa um, i forgot you did that it was it mma mma and um he he was pretty original about it he did a uh tournament style mm -hmm. which had mm -hmm. kind of gotten out of fashion i mean that was mm -hmm. the original uh original mma it was all tournament based and mm -hmm. and then it it kind of got out of fashion and just went to single bouts but mm -hmm. he did um over the course of a year he did eight uh eight man tournaments in every weight bracket and then he did a reality tv show around it what yeah. are you serious oh my gosh look at that that is so neat so yeah it was it was fun i was in one of his eight man like tournaments and um Whoa. and so like him and a Another film life. crew came to my house and did an episode like yeah it was, it was super cool that is so cool um, what that's so funny that there's something about not all of them but some mma fighters like you would never expect it. Like, you just seem like such a chill, nice guy. And then little does he know, little do we all know, he's a fighter. He's a killer. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 well, I mean, so I've been in that world for so long. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I would say most guys that, that train and compete are, like, pretty chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. And maybe just because you, you're getting it all out of the, at the gym. So. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, was it um was it kind of like UFC like with like like an octagon octagon or what was the well, yeah was it like? so UFC I mean the, the octagon is trademarked so mm -hmm. that's their they're oh, the I only one that. that can have a a cage with that shape oh um so I did most not know that. like so a lot of cages are round mm -hmm. then um and I don't I don't love the round ones I mm -hmm. I enjoy ones that have some sort of like angle to them because oh, it really? creates a corner. Mm. so for for my style i'm a stand-up guy so um mm -hmm. i like kind of backing people towards a corner as oh if oh my gosh uh, <laughs> don't make them mad yeah, people <laughs> no and it's it sort back of you into a corner back you into a corner yeah so i prefer that because then um if you've gone through the effort of kind of working somebody back towards a corner then it mm. at least keeps them there mm -hmm. uh, but in a circular cage it's easier for them to keep circling mm. What about a hexagon? Could you do a hexagon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, there's some of those. Yeah. Um, and then um, they, it's really rare that anybody uh, does MMA in a boxing ring anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, I like those a lot because mm -hmm. that's the most, um, there, there's only four sides, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the corner is more extreme yeah. in a boxing ring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the more sides it has, the the 
greater the angle mm. of the corner so it's easier to move away from it so what does um what's what does your stand-up entail like what's the kind of your main yeah, go-to so would you say i'd say my like lineage from uh the trainers i i've had over the years um it, it's heavily influenced by dutch style kickboxing mm. um which uh, there's kind of i don't know i i'm not the expert on this so don't quote me i just participated in it well i, I coach so I, I guess i should be an expert but um i i would say there's cool. maybe three styles there's like kind of american kickboxing uh dutch style and thai mm-hmm. um and thai uh, thai is like very upright Mm-hmm. Uh, that that they, they like their their stance is very uh vertical. They're standing very upright, and it, the heavy um knees and elbows in, mm-hmm. in Thai. Mm-hmm. And then Dutch style, it's a much it's a it's a lower stance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, a big emphasis on like leg kicks and and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think it now. A lot of styles have just blended because everybody's doing it for yeah like MMA. So you kind of need mm-hmm. to, um, you know, they need to be ready to defend takedowns and and everything. So you can't overcommit to any certain certain style. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. I'd love I'd love to do like judo, like just learn some physic physics based throws. No one's gonna expect that out of me. I'm small and I'm I'm not very intimidating looking. Well, that's the beauty like, of like judo like, and uh, do you still yes. train jujitsu? Uh, I haven't since last, pretty much since I started doing road trips, I haven't been going to class. Um, oh man. I know. I know. Well, I'd, I'd like to get back here, into it. Here but... I'm going to uh, challenge you a little bit because mm-hmm. the coolest thing I've found about martial arts, any martial arts, so uh, whether it's kickboxing or, uh, but really specifically jujitsu is how welcoming that community is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you could easily stop into any gym on any of your road trips. Oh, yeah, you're right. I probably could. <laughs> <laughs> and and like that. for me, I like packing gloves and shin guards, and it's bulky, but yeah. Uh, I mean, y- you could easily pack a gi. Yeah. And take it anywhere. Kind, kind of the reason I, I stopped at first was these road trips, like my body would hurt so much just because I've been riding all these bikes that are press bikes so I didn't like fit them to me and um so like either like the handlebars were kind of long or the seat wasn't quite right it was like stock maybe so there were a lot of things that really like made my body hurt at the end of it but then when I leave jiu-jitsu my body also hurts so I'm like oh, I don't want to my body hurts right now I don't want to go and get my body hurt even more even more yeah <laughs> yeah hmm. mm-hmm. I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> I, I, I'll I'll say something that might not be true, but I'll say it anyways. Maybe after a long day on a bike, just rolling around would feel good. Yeah, well, I think especially if um if I'm if I'm on a bike that I'm like that's like fitted to me that I've modded yeah. just to fit me right, like I it, it won't be like that too. It'll it won't be as painful, and also just building the endurance. I think there you go. Yeah. Well, I think uh, you're already really unique in the uh, motorcycle YouTube scene, but that would be, I think you'd be the only one. That'd be cool. That rides around and goes to different jujitsu schools. Yeah. You know, actually my, my sister just started jujitsu too. She, when I started it like uh, seven or eight years ago, she had been telling me she wanted to and like five, six years passed. I'm like, when are you going to start? And so finally she was visiting me in Atlanta one day and I, and I told her, all right, come to class with me. 
And then as she, she went back home to Florida, she found a gym. So so now she's doing jiu-jitsu too. Sweet. So uh, maybe my next road trip home to Florida, I'll have to I'll have to just go to class Oh, with her. yeah. yeah. And there's so many gyms in Florida. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like definitely a mecca mm-hmm. of that. By the way, I just glanced down uh, and I've been reminded that this is the first podcast episode that's ever been video recorded oh. because you brought in your handy dandy 360 recorder here. Yes. I've got my 360. Oh, you got and then two I got, cameras going. Yeah, okay. just in case, because I, I never let this run for very long because it like the files are just so big. So I usually just do it for like a few minutes at a time, but today I'm letting it run. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the battery's going to die or what. So I've, I've got my GoPro over there too. All right. Well, hi. <laughs> hey, doodle on a motorcycle audience. I'm, I'm sure this, <laughs> this might make it in there. By the way, um, my neighbor is a big fan of yours. Oh. It's so fun. So he... Um, I got a text like a week ago, like, hey, you're on my TV because it was from the, it was like, and he sent me a screenshot of the, um, of Sturgis. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, What's I, his, I wasn't I'll really. have to say hello to him in the video or something. What's yeah, his name? Yeah, it, it's Danny. Danny. Hi, Danny. Hi, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll be great. And I'm like, what? I'm on your TV. Why are you being weird? But, <laughs> um, yeah, but then I'm like, oh, it, it, it clicked. I'm like, yeah, you must be watching. <laughs> Uh, doodle oh, cool. on a motorcycle again. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, Aww. maybe I'll introduce you to a fan one day. Cool. I'm sure you'd like that. Cool. Um, oh, yeah. kind of on that note. So mm-hmm. uh, I think you, you do have a lot of fans and I probably reference you kind of a lot, especially if I'm talking to, uh, people considering writing and, or newer writers, but what, um, the, and this might be an awkward question to answer about yourself, but what, why do you think you're likable and have a lot of fans? You know, that's what I'm trying to figure out myself. <laughs> I've never been like one of the popular girls in, like in school. You know, I was never the one everyone gravitated to. I usually have like just a couple friends at a time. And I mean, I felt popular among my dorky friends, but that's it. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's maybe it's the relatability just because. Um, cause I, I, I was wondering about, I was really thinking about that this week. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a pro racer. I'm not a stunt rider. I'm not doing anything amazing, but I, I share my struggles and I talk to people on camera as if I would a friend. And, um, I think maybe that's it. That is just something relatable. That's all I could think of. I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a big deal. And I think, well, I think it's rare. And I think it's rare on YouTube in general, and I think it's rare in the motorcycle industry in general. So, uh, but the fact that you're like so real about who you are and your experiences, I, I'm, I'm sure people love that. But then, uh, even with admitting, you know, the struggles or anything it may be, you always also work past them. So, it, it not only I think are you relatable, but then it's uh, a very positive influence on this industry that. Like, hey, like, I mean, you know, the, uh, not everything is always perfect, but, mm. you know, you're, you're still out there doing this thing that you love and you're mm-hmm. able to. And- mm-hmm. Cool. You know, on that note, that's funny you say that because I, I, I did a video the other day that totally tanked. And it was, um, so I bought a mini bike off of Amazon. <laughs> did you know you could do that? You could yeah, buy no. bikes off of Amazon and it comes in a box. And I did not, but I saw yeah. that thing. It, it looked hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. So, um. I, and in that video, I put the bike together myself. Um, and I have the only experience I have, like, quote unquote, wrenching is cleaning and lubing a chain and topping off an oil. 
But um, other than that, I'm, I'm pretty clueless. And I showed that, I think I just spent way too long in that video showing that process struggling. I'm like, now I was thinking, okay, I think if people are going to see me struggle, it's only interesting if I actually overcome it. And at the end of the video, I didn't overcome it. I still don't know what I'm doing, but I did. I mean, the bike is running now. I was gonna, but, so you did assemble it. Yes, I did. Okay. And I wrote it and, and then, uh, and then I was scared that I did something wrong. So I was like, Hey Cody, can you, can you check it out too? And with your perfectionist, more mechanically inclined eye, but I did, that was my rule. I was like, I have to do this myself. I can't ask Cody to do it for me. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I yeah. I caught that one on your socials, but I did not watch that oh, YouTube don't video. Watch it. I don't recommend it. Uh, but <laughs> I could good. imagine, <laughs> like, assembling a bike from scratch could be pretty funny in fast motion. Yeah, I think that's what I should have done, and maybe that's what I'll do next time if I do something like that. I'll just I'll do like a quick time lapse. I'll like I only spend like maybe twenty seconds, so instead of like I think it was like maybe five total minutes of of watching me struggle okay that's... <laughs> i'm like that's too much for i'm like this is a, this is an instance where i forgot about the people watching i forgot what it's like to like i'm like yeah i don't want to watch that kind of video <laughs> i, I think I, I i at least every once in a while you have to have a video where it reminds you not to do that yes uh-huh yeah i mean i i had the feeling but once i posted i'm like oh yep i can see the data now that was i should not have done that so was it was that thing fun to ride once it was assembled? Oh my gosh! So I'm I'm riding it like in my backyard now. I'm like, oh, it's lunchtime. Let me take a little break and just ride in my backyard because it, it tops out at 20 miles per hour, and it's only 116 pounds. So I just ride literally ride around in my backyard in the park, and it's it's like my. And what's great about it, since it's so light and so slow, I'll let anyone ride it. So my dad came over, and he hadn't been on a bike since he was a child. And, um, and when I was trying to, sh I was showing him and, and I offered him, I was like, do you want to ride it? And my dad's like very straight faced person, like very rarely shows emotion. And he was like, yes, I think so. And then, uh, so we tried turning it on and you crank it like a lawnmower to turn it on. And we didn't realize that the quick, uh, kill switch was on. Well, cause it is half lawnmower, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, okay. basically <laughs> yeah, that's the engine. There's, there are no gears on it. There's, there's no, even, there's not even a rear brake, but. Anyway, so we finally got it on and I was trying to like be professional instructor like to my dad. And I was like, okay, dad, you haven't been on the bike for a long time. So let's let you just sit here, get you to the controls, feel the, not, it doesn't, it doesn't have a clutch. So not the friction zone, but just feel the throttle. And he looked at me and he smiled and he just took off <laughs> and he just started riding it around the yard in circles with this big grin on his face which he he's not a gritting type of person at oh, all. Oh, that's so cool. This is <laughs> yeah. like the motorcycling supposed to be fun. Yes. So uh so I'm like, "Okay, this is this is a good like party trick too." So anytime I have people over, oh, and yes. when they joke and say, "Can I ride your bike?" when I always say no, they they can ride this one. They can ride the mini bike. Absolutely. Here yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. But does it even have a key? Uh, nope. <laughs> you, have, you can't even say here's the keys. Yeah. No. Nope. There it is. It's in Just the corner. Crank it. Pull the cord. <laughs> Pull the cord a few oh, times. Oh man. That's so that bike uh, it would be perfect at an event we went to earlier this year, uh, AMA Vintage Days. Mm. Have you ever been to that one? Uh -uh. Have you heard of it? Uh -uh. I hadn't heard of it either. It was super fun. Mm. It was at the Mid-Ohio Racetrack. Mm. Um, so that racetrack, I mean, it's kind of in, in the middle of nowhere. Um, but it was, that event was a blast. And well over half the crowd was getting around this giant mm, yep. racetrack on mm -hmm. those kind of bikes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, oh, I mean, previously I thought I'd never seen it in my life, but 
now that I have it, I've seen everywhere. Like there were a lot of people brought it to Sturgis just to get around oh, places sure. there. Yeah, yeah. People with RVs. Like I saw it on, I saw the same bike parked on the back of um, a couple RVs that, while I was there. I'm like, oh, that's my bike. Yeah. So we're going to yeah. go back to Vintage Days next year. And if you don't go, I mm-hmm. might ask to borrow your bike, but you should oh, go yeah, check it out. Sure. It, it's a fun event. I'd definitely yeah. borrow it. All right. Yeah. You've you've led me plenty of bikes <laughs> that are worth a lot more than that. There bike. we go. Eight hundred dollar bike. <laughs> no, that thing looks fun. It's the so perfect fun. way to get around. Mm-hmm. Just a, a little event like that. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I mean, it's cool to see that those are coming on the scene more and more. And actually, I I, I hope little bikes like that get people into big bikes. Yeah, I think so. Just because I mean, it's just so easy and so unintimidating. So, um. Yeah, I mean, my dad's never showed interest in getting on my bike, but uh, yeah, as soon as I took that out, he was his eyes were just hyper focused on it, and he was even though we accidentally left the kill switch on, he kept cranking it for like a minute until we. I'm like, he is not giving up, and then we realized, oh, the kill switch is on. But um, yeah, he he wanted he wanted to get on that bad, so uh, it's it's a good little bike. Sweet, can't wait to ride it. I know. And oh, it's not street legal though, so you might have to come pick mm, it up yourself. I don't have okay. a truck yet. <laughs> Something I want, but but I thought it'd be you know it'd be really cool to since it's since it's only eight hundred dollars. Um, I thought well, this would be a great way to learn maintenance. Like I, I don't want to do maintenance on my own bike that I actually like go out and yeah. ride. You know, I'm like I want that done right. I take it to the dealership. Like if you break this one, yes, then you'll be a I'll little learn. bit sad, but yeah. not a lot of it sad. Yeah, but then I can, it, that'll be fun to like, I can learn to fix it. And it's, it's not like something I'm commuting on or going on a road trip. So it's okay if it's broken for a little bit. It'll be, it'll be a good learning process. Well, um, you already built it. So yeah. So I'm basically it, a pro now. Yeah. So I mean, let me know if you want any bikes built. I can open up in, uh, the Duda Garage. We, we build bikes, $800 Amazon bikes only right now. Um, maybe their $400 version one as well. Assembly required, unless you bring it to Doodle's house. <laughs> exactly. Huh. I charge $1,000 an hour, and it took me like eight hours to do. <laughs> eight, eight times the value of the bike, but we're all right. <laughs> okay, um, I'll, I'll do, we'll do the math on that later. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going to be bringing any bikes over for service or assembly, but yeah, I'll blame you. Um, but I would love to ride that. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to hearing about your road trip to Ohio the next time we chat. And yeah. Um, yeah. thank you again for coming in. Thanks for having me. It was great to see you again. And uh, thank you so much for the Tiger 900. You might just never see it again. Well, <laughs> let's make that happen. <laughs> All right. And so if, uh, if anybody would like to check out uh, any of Carolyn's content, uh, I'm going to post the link in this episode. So Doodle on a Motorcycle on YouTube. She has really great content. I think everybody will enjoy it. So check it out. And until next time, ride safe. Ride safe.